Okay, people, another Just for Sports. Jamoke Davis here with Joel Walkowski. He's of inaction and maybe a new show coming later this month. It'll be exciting to learn more about that, Joel. Thank you for coming on. How have you enjoyed the NBA playoffs this week? Man, basketball is a brutal game. Before we get into the story of the NBA and this wonderful postseason with first-round matchups that have just been a delight all through the Western Conference, can I say I got the worst cheap shot in my 25 years of playing the game? What happened? Man, what happened was I'm a big man playing a back-to-back on concrete courts, and my knees are dog shit. <laughs> the kid's coming off the pick-and-roll, and my guy calls switch i switch he comes around the pick we clyde simple foul not even close to a flagrant and this kid he just pops off he's kind of a famous comic he pops off and he pushes me and i smack the back of my head against the pavement oh and very it's a scary moment man like i have never fallen like that in my life I'm going to get a CAT scan as soon as we get off the air here. So I just want you and the listeners know the level of dedication I have, not only to this great game, I did finish it and we won, but to this great podcast, (laughs) Just for Sports. Man, and like my whole life, three years old, I didn't learn basketball from watching Michael Jordan or Larry Bird or Magic. I learned from my mom going, that's Bill Lambeer, that's Dennis Rodman, that is Rick Mahorn. And you know what? Mom, if I'm getting concussions as a 30-year-old man playing in bed all I got to say is you did a good job teaching me about Bill Lambier. <laughs> and we'll get into that later because uh, I have a, a great comparison to that with this NBA playoffs when we talk series. Uh, let's start with the layup line. Uh, if we can be a little serious here, uh, John Thompson, the great – look, he played in the NBA – and played behind Bill Russell, backed up Bill Russell as an NBA champion. He passed away. Um, And, you know, it's really sad for the basketball community to see someone like that, uh, that stature pass away. And for me, you know, outside of thinking of uh, a school being an HBCU or not, to me, Georgetown was black basketball. Like, that was a team you rooted for in America was John Thompson's Georgetown Hoyas. And to see, you know, a little bit of Ewing, Mourning, Matambo, uh, but really the one I remember the most was, is Allen Iverson. And even in Atlanta, got to see him in the NCAA tournament when Georgetown was playing UMass uh, was one of the greatest games. Even though Georgetown got blown out, it was the greatest experience for me to see John Thompson and the Hoyas on that big stage. I went to the practice the day before the game and watched them practice, and then, then got to see the game. I mean, it was just am- amazing. Marcus Camby versus Iverson. You know, and then later on, you know, for all of the years that I worked at, uh, with the, the Wizards and I did some work for the Hoyas, working in Verizon Center and in just seeing the Georgetown Hoyas there, watching more JT3, but you would see Big John sitting there right by where the bench is watching the Hoyas. And I'm sure probably taking notes that he would go back to his son. Um, There's just so many connections. That's so sad. He was a neighbor of mine. And, you know, I never saw him, but maybe more than once. But to me, it was like walking past the White House. You would just walk by slowly. You didn't know if you'd get a glimpse of, of Big John. You'd be able to wave and say hello. Um, and then obviously the last connection, Otto Porter. You know, uh, I, I got to cover Otto Porter when he was with the Wizards and, you know, uh, did a, a profile on him. And we walked in the Georgetown locker room and talked about him coming up, uh, coming to D.C. as a Hoya and then as a Wizard. Um, it was just special. And it was just really sad to see someone like that uh, pass away uh, suddenly in, in my mind, you know, it wasn't like I heard any rumblings that John Thompson's not doing well. And all of a sudden he's no longer with us. Yeah. And I mean, there is a case to be made that John Thompson is among the greatest heroes in DC sports history. 
Um, the Washington football team, they had a lot of different components responsible for their success. The Bullets really only had the West Sunfeld era. But, you know, you might not realize this if you're a younger listener, but the NBA didn't surpass college basketball until I would argue the Michael Jordan era. And like for during the 1980s, NCAA hoops was on top and John Thompson was among the stars. Mm -hmm. And with the greatest coaches we have today, I'm thinking Mike Krzyzewski, Greg Popovich. There's just a, a talk about how, you know, you don't just play for these guys. It's kind of like you're joining a lifelong fraternity and it seems like that template is kind of molded on the John Thompson Georgetown teams. Mm -hmm. Like you see the brotherhood that extends to Ewing, Matumbo, Morning, Iverson. Like there was just a whole community he created. It wasn't a basketball team. Like if you went to Georgetown, you're part of that for life. And he created a really beautiful thing. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're just sharing hot take machine here, but. He has one of my favorite quotes on basketball, which is, you know, nothing, nothing has done more to bring people from different backgrounds and races together than the sport of basketball. And, you know, you kind of see that quote informing all the social justice movements that have lifted the NBA in the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's passing. I'm sorry for his loss. I will not make the easy he threw in the towel joke, but I think his like ethos and the things he believed in are more prominent than ever. So hats off to a great man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hats off to him. And it's, you know, how can you, how can you honor someone like John properly? Um, I don't know, but what he said was, when he passes away, if I don't go to heaven, take me back to Georgetown. And I think that is exemplifies what John Thompson, uh, the, the love he had for this game and for that university. And he, he will definitely be missed. Next time I'm at to go drive by his old house and say, man, remember the good old days. Um, let's yeah, switch topics. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, there's just no way to really capture how big the Georgetown Hoyas were. I was, I, I'm an eighties baby. And like growing up, they were the biggest brand in all of sports. And John Thompson was the reason why, like he was one of the most flamboyant coaches to patrol the sideline. His character was deep and impressive. And it's just like, he was on the national stage as such a fully formed individual just truly larger than life figure. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad they won the NCAA championship. Could have won back to back, uh, but North Carolina kind of destroyed that. But, you know, it, it would have been nice uh, to see it. But, you know, I, I think at least we can say that during those big East years, that Georgetown was at the top of the game. And if today, if you're looking at the Kentuckys and the Dukes, Back then, you know, it was in many ways Georgetown and Syracuse were two of the biggest programs when John Thompson was around coaching against Jim Beheim. Yeah, absolutely. And this, the, if you don't know John Thompson, if you're unfamiliar, but you happen to have an ESPN Plus subscription, we don't work for him, but A Requiem for the Big East is an awesome documentary mm -hmm. that captures just how impactful that conference was on basketball and the culture at large. So check that out. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was a, a great documentary. I'm glad you brought that up. I really enjoyed it. And I do miss the Big East. I graduated from University of Pittsburgh and it was nothing that hurt me more than to see uh, the when Miami and Boston College I had that remember, man, it seems so long ago when they left the Big East was like the beginning of the end. Uh, and, and now we're in the ACC and it, it'll just never be the same as much as I love being a part of the conference now. Uh, it does have a bigger profile now that there's more football involved. But, you know, I enjoyed it when it was the Big East. Um, what I have yeah, not I mean, been enjoying. Go ahead. What I have not been enjoying in, in many ways are the protests, the, the civil unrest, the 
the shooting in the back of Jacob Blake that led to the shutdown of sports, which began with basketball. Joel, I wish we could have, we probably should have done an emergency pod just because I wanted to get your take on it. But at the same time, you know, here we are today that we could now, you know, not totally look back because it's still something that is ongoing right now in terms of the conversation and also, you know, whatever legal ramifications may happen for those, uh, for Jacob Blake in terms of being in the hospital and the legal ramifications for the, the cop that shot him and all of the civil unrest since. But uh, what are your thoughts on the past week, uh, really how basketball has shaped the conversation for Black Lives Matter and social justice. Can I make one small, like, fix correction to your statement before yeah. we get into it? Yeah. I know it's a sensitive statement. Hats off to the NBA, to the players of the Milwaukee Bucks, specifically George Hill. But the fact is they weren't the first sports team to stage a walkout. The Detroit Lions um, stopped their practice the day of the shooting and you know i just wanted to point that out as a lifelong lions fan i was very proud of them and it kind of went under the map so i wanted to give them recognition with the stage that i have so mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of talk about unions and to see them really seize the power and put themselves in a position of prominence like that's what leadership is they re-entered this bubble to make a statement and they absolutely did and you know you see the scale of these global movements they're inspiring they're changing their political landscape and really this is what it takes to not only change our world but to make me root for Kyrie Irving again mm -hmm. I mean the bottom line look these are live black matters things that we are going to going through right now, things that we are going to have to deal with for our future. And that's interesting that you did bring that up because I do, I, I do think that the NBA for the most part seems to always be at the forefront of social justice and to see that you know, you're, the Detroit Lions did that before they canceled, before the Bucks canceled the game. Uh, Washington football team canceled their practice. The Baltimore Ravens put out a statement. You know, uh, Major League Soccer, the WNBA, uh, Major League Baseball all canceled their games that night. The NHL was a day behind. I was pretty critical of that. I think that they, at least that 1030 game, they could have canceled. But now out of this, you've got a social justice coalition in the NBA. Uh, arenas are becoming voting centers. And the bottom line is, is I think the biggest thing that I want to see out of this is, yes, the owners have the power, if nothing else, because they are more deeply and connected to actual uh, legislators that they can see change that they can you know be able to make a phone call and call mitch mcconnell and say hey you 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 got to move things along here we're we are you know sitting on bills that could change black lives matter uh movement and make real change in america and they're not but i think when you think of the league the players are showing that they have the power they make up the league there may be only two owners that you even would come to an arena and pay to see play. And that's Mario Lemieux of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Michael Jordan of the Charlotte Hornets. Outside of that, no one comes to see the owners. They come to see the players. And the players are using their platform, using their power to not only shape change in America, but shape change in sports. I think the fact that they can boycott the owners you never know what may happen today that another black person may be shot and killed. And then we're right back to square one of the players trying to make a decision. Okay, do we play or do we not play? Because now we're at yeah, a new barometer, right? Joel, we're at a new barometer where if that happens again, 
everything has to shut down again or else you start to say, okay, was it watered down and we don't care about it as much. Yeah. And I mean, we've just lived, we're living through the coronavirus pandemic that started with our representatives committing insider trading when they should have been preparing our country. Yeah. And our NBA players are most effective chance for meaningful change in this country because the walkout actually, like the big criticism for people who don't understand these movements, the protests are like, what are they going to achieve? Well, the NBA and their protests achieve direct actions. A lot of the problems plaguing black communities in this country are due to voter suppression. And the fact that arenas across the NBA are turned into polling places is a true act of empowerment. And they should get commended not only, not just for the walkout, like, you know, that's emotions running high, you're channeling them, but to have the presence of mind and the clarity to like convert passion into meaningful action, that is the achievement right there. And that's the strong, the sign of a strong union, which is why the NBA has been thriving where no other sports league has. And just for the, the, the spirit of levity on this podcast, bring what I bring. You're a little bit upset with the NHL for not canceling their games. The bubble's in Edmonton. I assume it takes news that long to travel to Western Canada. <laughs> it took a little while, huh? Yeah, come on. While. We're having a lot of serious talks. We're having John Thompson. We're having BLM. And you know I'm out at those protests. So I'm with the community as much as I can be. But I had to get a little crack in there. And hey, I think that's true for all of us, though. Like, if you believe in this stuff, you have to look at the things that keep a lot of these laws in place and like we vote with our dollars and mm -hmm. you know i think walmart's actually behind a lot of the worst legislation in this country like the law that sprung george zimmerman is one that walmart uh, fights to keep on the books to this very day so what's up let's go to target yeah let's go to target uh speaking of a target i've got a target on brandon ingram's back as we switch topics here, he was just named most improved player of the year. I think Bam got slighted. Brandon Ingram should have been playing at this level. No one expected that out of, out of Bam Adebayo to come back and have the type of year that he had with the Miami Heat and the way that the Miami Heat as a team are playing. I thought it should have been him. I just, Brandon Ingram, I'm like, okay, but I just, I felt like him being a top draft pick, um, he was underachieving for most of his career, where Bam Adebayo, his stock keeps rising. What are your yeah. thoughts? I mean, Bam is probably a good candidate for this, but you want to look at these players' ages. You want to look at the colleges they attended, and both were blue-chip prospects. I'm a purist. I personally think the most improved player should go to a guy who kind of unfathomably takes a leap why did Devonte graham out of charlotte only receive two votes mm -hmm. he went from being a fringe guy who could barely be on the court to an 18 point a game score like i know you have to be a sociopath to watch the charlotte hornets but i'm a sociopath who watched the charlotte hornets the pistons could not beat them this year because Devonte graham has turned into one of the most dynamic perimeter guys in the league and he's doing it from age 23 to 24. So he's a little bit older than the other guys. He didn't have the draft stock. So that's where my vote would have gone. Ingram mm -hmm. should have been this. He would have been this the entire time if he played for a healthy organization. Ingram could have been in it. I think when you're the number two overall pick, I, I don't know if it's most improved. And Bam Adebayo, you know, he went to Kentucky, was picked 14th. Um, I just think many people didn't expect much out of him, and, and he's played amazing. Uh, speaking of amazing, let's talk about the Props Network as we take a quick break here. It's time to have a serious conversation about your bookies and illegal offshore betting sites. You can get rid of them now. Cut ties. Legal sports books have a better user experience, more promos, bigger signing bonuses, and you know your money is safe. Where do you find a legal sports book in your state? At thepropsnetwork.com. The Props Network only rates regulated U.S. sports books, and it's also where you'll find the best available bonus to start using them. 
Plus, you'll get great content from real media pros, if you want to call me that. Just like me on Just for Sport. So when legal betting How comes many Emmys do you have, dog? Dude has five <laughs> Emmys. He's like, I don't know if I call myself that. He has as many Emmys as I have fingers on my left hand. <laughs> Come on. He can, he can count his Emmys on one hand, but barely. Yes, you are a media professional. Okay. Say that after one Emmy. I consider myself a media professional and the only thing I've won was this basketball game after getting a damn concussion. Concussion, which you need to get fixed soon. So when legal betting comes to your state, make sure your first stop is at propsnetwork.com. Remember, it's 21 and over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Now, back to basketball on Just for Sport. Where should we start? I mean, oh my gosh, the Western Conference, two game sevens coming up, Joel. Um, how excited are you for, uh, we talked about tonight on our live stream, if you didn't check it out on Restream and on our Twitch and YouTube and Facebook page. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about it, about it more, but if you had to start a team, you want Donovan Murray? Don, excuse me, Donovan Mitchell or Jamal Murray on your team as they get set for game seven? Come on. Don, Jamal's been great, but uh, this is a small stretch, and we've seen Donovan do this for three years. <laughs> it takes a very special player to beat Russell Westbrook in the first round that he did it as, as a rookie. You know, I could see Donovan kind of becoming a hybrid of Dwayne Wade and Allen Iverson. You know, maybe it just seems like the Nuggets have had a lot of like B plus sort of elite scorers through their lineage, and maybe Jamal Murray is the next one in line. I think that Jamal Murray is. I feel like he's one of those players who's not so much a late bloomer, but last year it was Nikola Jokic's team, and you know, Jamal Murray was more of a supporting cast. And I think this year you've seen a switch out of him. His growth, he may not be most improved player of the year, but his growth in the bubble, this is Jamal Murray now. In many ways, I think it is Jamal, it's going to be Jamal Murray's team if he continues to play like this. And I, I kind of made the point about Donovan having great postseasons, but uh, I'm going to make that same point about Jamal Murray had a really nice postseason last year. They lost to the Blazers in game seven of the second round, and he was great. He achieved his career highs during the postseason last year. But again, fast forward to this year and like kind of regressed during the regular season. I do think this is for all intents and purposes, Nicole Jokic's team. And when I look at Jamal Murray, I kind of see a sixth man who plays 36 minutes a game. He's given the green light, and when he's hot, he's hot, but he does have a propensity to disappear. I'm going to take Mitchell over him because the best thing I like out of my guards is the ability to get to the foul line. You know, from an efficiency point of view, I don't think Murray can quite keep up, although I will say that his 360 finger roll in traffic was probably the prettiest basketball play of the year. Yeah, that was, that was, oh, that was so beautiful. And it was, I, I could watch that highlight all the time. Yeah, and it's, it's a very special stretch of history, but I think in the larger context, a little worried about the size, a little worried about the contract. And, you know, I think they're kind of, the Denver Nuggets are going to have a very interesting offseason either way. You talk about Michael Porter, you start dangling an offer of Gary Harris to make the contracts match, Michael Porter Jr., I think you can get a third superstar. No problem there. Mm. Wow. Okay. Now we're talking offseason, what Denver may do. Uh, The Clippers are waiting for this game seven to finish between Denver and Utah so that they can get their series started. And on the other side, the Lakers are waiting for the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder to complete their game seven. Uh, What are your thoughts on game seven for? Um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden to rewrite their narrative because right now it's not looking good for that team. Daryl Morey, he may have blown up the NBA with his comments 
about uh, Hong Kong and China at the beginning of the season. But at the end of the season, the way that the Rockets are playing and Mike D'Antoni maybe not getting this team over the hump again in Oklahoma City upsetting them, uh, it's not looking good for the Houston Rockets if they can't win this game and play the Lakers in the next round. It's not. And I think probably we talked about this on the live stream. So apologies if I'm running out of gas a little bit. However, they should be up in this Oklahoma City Thunder series, six games to zero. Instead, it's three to three. Like I was watching game three, game four, and they're just giving up 20 point third quarter leads. Mm -hmm. How is that possible when you have James Harden again a guard who has the ability to get to the free throw line that resets everything that puts you in control of the game. And I don't understand why Mike D'Antoni hasn't been able to pivot out of his strategy strategy from a period of points. Are you a card player? I am not a card player. No. So I've I've been playing. Go ahead. I have 21 blackjack. Okay. 21 blackjack. That's fun. Over the, so my fiance, she loves poker. Over the last two years, I've started playing a lot more poker, and I'm a pretty good poker player. But the one thing I can't do is play from in front. It's a totally different style, and you got to kind of pivot your leverage, the way the game works as a whole. And I think you're kind of seeing a similar thing with these D'Antoni Harden Rocket teams over the past few years. They've had the the Clippers against the ropes. They've had the Warriors against the ropes twice. And they've had the Thunder against the ropes in every game. And they just don't adjust down the stretch. It's galling. It's so predictable. And I hate that I like this team. Like, my son is going to be asking me, hey, why was James Harden a loser? And I, w- 10 <laughs> reasons will come to mind. No, defense. He would be better if he didn't. He'd be, it'd be better if he went the Trey Young route and never made the postseason at all. Like okay. his reputation is just like he folds. His teams so, don't don't win. They they lose in the worst fashion possible. But here's the irony of what you're saying. Or first comment you talked about the free throws. The Rockets ranked fourth in free throw rate in the NBA during the regular season. Through the first five games of this series, the Rockets ranked last in free throw rate in Oklahoma City. They foul, their rate of fouls is the second lowest. So not only are the Rockets not able to get fouls, but the Thunder don't foul. But the thing for me is that you say that Harden is a loser. The funny thing is, the best year for Harden and the Rockets were when Chris Paul was on that team. Neither one of those players have been able to get their team to the NBA Finals. And I mean, Chris Paul on whatever team he played on, and James Harden in his years with the with the Rockets uh, in the Thunder, right? You look at these two players, and when they were the leaders, and I guess on the Thunder, he wasn't, James Harden wasn't a leader, so it doesn't count. Neither he one of them the have gotten past the, the Western Conference Finals. They, can, they just can't, the neither one of them. Yeah, and it's it's pretty galling. I've not seen anything like this in 30 years of following the NBA. And, you know, you might just need to exercise it. Like, there's just a, a so much controversy surrounding this entire franchise. You know what? Hats off to the Oklahoma City Thunder for just being the adults in the room. Down <laughs> six with three minutes left. We got five foot eleven Chris Paul taking on the the second best perimeter defender in the NBA, and man, he had the smallest window to get those three pointers off yesterday, mm-hmm. and he did. It was incredible to see. Covington was amazing down the stretch of that game. Like the block he had on Gallinari, it's just like that's a tempo changing block. Game over. Chris Paul gets the tech off it. They're down six balls going the other way. And then Chris Paul just took over the game. He did. He really did. What? Watching at home, that has to be the first time David West ever smiled. 
<laughs> um, speaking of smiling, uh, do you think the Lakers and Clippers are enjoying this time off? You know, their family comes, the, the players who have family, they come to town, you know, get to get a little bit of a break. Or do you think they're itching to play again? Um, I can't imagine anyone on the Clippers enjoying anything. That's a team that has gone taken on the character of Kawhi Leonard. I love the Clippers. I think Kawhi Leonard is even more so than Michael Jordan, probably the most technically perfect basketball player I've ever seen. Everything he does follows a coach's form. It looks like a diagram from a textbook. And the only enjoyment I see from the Clippers is why does Reggie Jackson skip while bringing the ball up? He did it in Detroit. He did it at Boston College. He did it in Oklahoma City. He can't. He hasn't had a single coach that's like, yo, you're playing at the it. highest level of basketball. Can you stop skipping for a minute? <laughs> Drives me crazy. I do have to give you props. You had the um, – you had – the Denver Utah game going seven. You had Oklahoma City in six, but you really want to be wrong. And you are going to be wrong, but you pretty much were saying it's going to go seven. Uh, you called Clippers Dallas. You said it would be a sweep by the Clippers. That did not happen, but close. I said four two. Um, and I said Lakers Portland would go seven. You said four one, and you were right on the nose in that series. I was right on the nose. I was in that series. I lost $1,200 betting that series. So, you know, it is tough out here to be a handicapper. But, you know, things are up. And um, the team that is after my own heart, the team that I bet to win this series yesterday afternoon came out, took care of business just like I thought they would. Let's go heat. And I, the, that's the, the thing. Miami I know heat. I'm a little – I'm a piston. It's yeah. okay to jump on a bandwagon if they don't have any fans to begin with. No one cares about this team because they don't have stars. The same amount of fans are in the American Airways Arena. I was I was somewhat surprised at Miami uh, as we shift to the Eastern Conference. They are up 1-0 on the Milwaukee Bucks. And they played a great game. Jimmy Butler uh, was on fire, on fire. And he seems to be on a mission and has put this team on his back. And I also feel like, and you let me know here, I felt like the game really was just like, okay, yeah, Giannis, you do what you want, but it's the rest of your team that has to step up or else you're just not going to win. And it just seems like the Milwaukee Bucks just – they just don't have it. I just don't see them being able to beat the Heat. Is it the Milwaukee Bucks or is it Giannis? Because I saw Jimmy Butler tearing up that team last night, and I saw the defensive player of the year guarding Jake Crowder. I think that was a pretty unforgivable thing. I think 18 points in a game for, like, Miami's clearly. This team is designed in a laboratory. This is the sort of – bunch of bastards that just are made to steal a game one on the road Giannis looked passive he was unassertive that entire game and like oh they were missing Eric Bledsoe they're better mm -hmm. with George Hill in the lineup anyway you know we talk about the problems plaguing Russell Westbrook I see a lot of those same issues with Giannis he pops off the page but in a meaningful way he might not be reliable as of yet to mm -hmm. carry you through the toughest situations. And Chris Middleton actually played well, 28 points. Brooke Lopez, 24. But that just, I, I, I know it's one game. And as we're already, we talked about, you know, you, Utah Jazz were up 3-1. So series isn't over until it's over. I just think Miami is the better team here. And we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and I okay, so we we've talked in the past about how we bet on an NBA series. So you see the team get punched into the mouth. Realistically, Miami has three chances to win a game and stay in this series. I would expect Milwaukee to kind of have a buzzsaw game too, and then this dance starts over from scratch from there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you see the leverage in their court, and I think you see the same thing in this Toronto Boston series which we'll go to next.
no one saw Boston beating Toronto the way they did in game one. That was a beatdown if there ever was one in the first game. What surprised you most about that game from just the, the, the score perspective, but also from betting? Like it just, the line wasn't there. The line wasn't there, and Vegas kind of tossed through this as a toss-up, even though Lowry came back and Gordon Hayward didn't. And I'm friends with a lot of people from Boston, basketball fans specifically, and they're not backing down. I kind of figure, like, oh, Toronto will win game two. I don't expect that in a, a, a responsible team like that to go down 0-2 to anyone. And they're like, nah. We have a great matchup with these guys. They didn't shoot bad. We own this team. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the stunning thing is the confidence coming out of the Celtics fan base. And this isn't the normal Boston Blasta. This is like some basketball fans who think they've got this. Well, I think both teams are balanced. They have balanced scoring, which did show in game one. Uh, maybe not in terms of the the number of points scored. Obviously, nobody expected that final score game one to be 112 to 94. But on the Raptors, you had six players in double figures. For Boston, you had six players in double figures. Like these two teams are going to go at it. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, yeah, it wasn't what indicative of what we thought a Toronto Raptors team would come, how they would come out and play, but going up against the team, it goes back to, they almost had a cakewalk with the nets and now they're playing a real team. And now they're having to actually uh play a higher caliber of basketball and i'm sure for any nets fans like yourself sort of joke <laughs> i know like, no, that was a... out there right i'm a nets fan but the I'm... thing is like the nets really weren't the type of matchup that the celtics are going to be and if anything it was a wake-up call for toronto and i'm curious how like you mentioned just about milwaukee and miami let's see what happens today as we're recording this on tuesday what happens with this game this afternoon and then going ahead in this series? Because as just like you mentioned with Milwaukee, Miami, Toronto wins today. It's really a five-game series is what it comes down to. Yeah, and um, you mentioned this afternoon. We're in the second round. Can we fix these matchups, please? Like, there's no reason that this game should start at 5.30 in the no, afternoon. it should Have an 8 o'clock. Have a 10.30. There is... I guess we're not really at work, but we've seen the NBA struggle with ratings while dominating word of mouth. And mm-hmm. I think this time slot is the biggest reason why. Yeah, I'm not quite undersure what's going here uh, with this 540 start for Raptors Celtics outside of the fact that, I don't know, maybe all of the leagues said, hey, we, we got to share airtime. I have no idea. But I mean, they're obviously all playing at times when normally we would be in football season and baseball postseason. And I get, and now we're in this weird mix of, you know, all of the leagues kind of having to be in unison, so to speak, as far as trying to share uh, screen time and get fans to watch all of these games. Because it's hard to keep up, Joel. It is it's hard to keep up, but, you know, I think the NBA is the biggest story around right now and I think they should have done a little bit more to optimize their product to get the most eyes on it before the monolith of the NFL starts back up Mm -hmm. so you're telling me I think they did a great job putting this Raptors Nuggets this I'm sorry this Nuggets Jazz Game 7 on national television but what about the rest of it like you don't want to cool down and we can slow it down a bit have Put these games in marquee time slots. It's the yeah. best for the sport. We can wait. 
Yeah, no, we definitely can wait. Uh, what I don't want you to wait on is betting. Before you bet at your favorite online sports book this season, you need to check out thepropsnetwork.com. Why? Because the Props Network will tell you everything you need to know about sportsbook promos, where to score free bets, and all the options for legal betting in your state. Plus, the Props Network now has live odds comparison for NBA, NHL, and MLB, so you can make every bet knowing that you've got the best value available. That's why the PropsNetwork.com is a must for any U.S. sports betting fan. Remember, it's 21 over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER today. Let's look at some uh, props, some team futures and finals. MVP, any changes for you and who will be the championship winner? We got the Clippers at plus 260 to start off picking props. Okay, so I'm still all in on the Clippers, but I still think the way to get I, I've got a way I'm gonna try. Okay? okay. So me and a few other collaborators of mine, we've been doing pretty well based on the NF back to the NFL draft. And we had a big NBA parlay that thankfully came through. So I think the play here is gonna be we parlay the Lakers and Clippers series prices for round two, and then we put the winnings on the Clippers to win the title at that point. Because okay. they'll be, they'll be, they're still going to be plus odds against the Lakers next round. Mm -hmm. So I think you, you wait another round before you really go in on the Clippers. And I think you can vouch. This has been the message I've been proselytizing since we started podcasting together. I was like, wait for the conference finals to go in on the Clippers. They're, they, they're going to beat the Lakers. Okay. You can still get the Raptors in heat at plus 1,100 and plus 1,300, which I think more people are starting to uh, look at the heat as a possible uh, NBA champion level team, at least to get to the NBA finals. I don't know. But, you know, is it worth a flyer on either one of them? Or no, there's no chance because the Clippers are the team. Um, yeah, I it's so weird. Like I think Milwaukee can lose to any team in the East, but I think they're the only team that can beat the Western conference champion. Wow. I don't, you don't, you don't see that. Like they have that kind of rockets gameplay. They have a great penetrator and surround them with three point shooting. And, you know, I just think the Clippers are a better version of the sort of roster that every other Eastern team left is. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got this nine-man rotation. Every piece knows exactly what they are, and we optimize. I'm like, yeah, the Clippers have the same thing and the best player in the world. Yeah, that'll be interesting uh, if you do end up getting uh, Clippers bucks despite all that we talk about. But if you want that finals matchup, you can get Clippers bucks at plus 300 yeah and he he clippers is plus 900 so that could be a fun one too i think that's maybe the most entertaining if there was no media if this all existed in the basketball vacuum that i dream of it being in heat clippers would be the matchup everyone was rooting for yeah it's a shame that that would be in the bubble because that'd be great for all of the people uh, working for the teams to go back and forth between LA and Miami. Yeah, that would but it'd be, just be great for all the. Yeah, but who would be the fans of either team? Have you been to a Miami Heat game? Oh yeah, most definitely. It is wonderful. There are three nightclubs in the arena. There's such a low level of interest. I'm a I'm a I'm a one of the great sneaker downers in NBA history. Yeah, I'm always near the court i n rarely have a ticket there miami they'll let you go wherever you want i watched <laughs> an entire game there Cavs versus heat on lebron's return next to the players entrance nobody cared i lost right down everyone's still in the nightclubs <laughs> miami heat is a is a really fun game time experience right there on the water uh, the bar overlooking the, uh, the harbor. Uh, it was just beautiful being downtown. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, as we got a whole week. I feel like it's weird. It takes us, you know, by then the, the landscape of the entire league sometimes changes by the time we talk again, but it'll be fun. 
Um, what I think will be, could be a lot of fun as long as the things go well, as we start our last second shot, uh, the families are finally starting to come onto campus. And I'm very happy for the players, but I was almost disturbed to hear that the media, no coaches, nobody in the front office, and the media could, they are not allowed to bring a family member to join them. And I think that I understand that it's a player's league. I said it about the owners as well, and it is a player's league, but it would be nice if, if you know, just let them go through quarantine is quarantine. It doesn't matter if you are a, a player's family member or not. If you go through quarantine and you can make it down there, I just, it kind of bums me out that they can't be there. But you don't have to bring your family when asked, Will your family be joining you? Jimmy Butler, the same guy who's charging $20 to his peers for a cup of coffee, said, no, <laughs> this is a business trip. And I, I, I couldn't love Jimmy Butler anymore. I, dude, I don't know if you know this. As a stand-up, everyone's like, hey, Joel, when can I see a show? And, well, the answer now is probably never again. But <laughs> um, back when I did it, I hated when family and friends came to the audience. I don't want that because then I have this kind of, like afterwards, I want to blow off steam. They're like, hey, how's it going? I got to get to text like, hey, when are you on? And like, Jimmy, he's hyper-focused. I love it. Yeah, that, 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 is, that kind of focus from Jimmy is something that, you know, some players will enjoy. Paul George must not because he said, you know, he's dealing with a lot and I hope that if his family uh, does get to come uh, to the uh, arena, um, that will be exciting for him to, you know, maybe get some sense of normalcy. I do know also Dame Lillard won't be taking that presidential suite. So maybe, you, you know, somebody who does have a family can move up into that nice two bedroom spot with a living room versus trying to cram a family into a regular hotel room. Nah, they're they're gonna give it to Kawhi. There, it, is Kawhi visited by anyone other than Uncle Dennis right now? No. I don't know. No, but I imagine if there was one person that he said I want here, it's probably him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would be one of those guys. I, I don't think I would invite my family. To, I would just be laser focused. I want to be there. Although in my basketball tournament. Big Walkowski, I um, I did blow out my knee three years ago in the tournament. Yeah, and my mom came on the court and accosted the player who <laughs> caused the injury. <laughs> my buddy Lawrence Deloge, born and raised Crownites. My seventy-year-old mother's yelling at him at a basketball court in Bed Stuy. It was amazing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, that's pretty funny. Um, I have never gotten that seriously injured playing basketball, and I hope that I never will. I hope that yeah, I never I'm will. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make that the theme for today's episode. But, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's okay because we started young. with a concussion, and now we're, you know, you're just getting injured all the time. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's part of my playing style. Like, I'm, I'm playing, like, the, the playground game where people are – it's all about the handles, about getting to the hoops and – realistically i'm i'm steven adams you know it's i play like a bear falling down the stairs i dribble like i'm mad at the ground it's not a pretty sight and when i score on people I, it's such a confluence of strange angles it looks like a dolly painting people get upset yeah. i shoot the ball from my freaking hip oh it's my disgusting. god it's disgusting and uh you sound like you're the, bill uh, you like you're like uh mike uh bill cartwright the way that he shoots but yeah, the yeah. thing is, so you started the show talking about the Detroit Pistons and how that's who you grew up watching with your mom. And I remember the foul by Paul George on Luka Doncic. Uh, am I saying that right? Was it Paul George? No, it was mad? Marcus Morris. Ma sorry, Marcus Morris. You're right. As soon as I said that name, it's wrong. Like, I saw that foul. I was like, no, this is like what Detroit Pistons basketball. It just would have been like play ball. Like, come on. It's, it's, it's just yeah, out of no. control how soft it is, especially when you can't give a hard foul, but then you want to get up and be all tough after the foul. And Marcus Morris has the ability to put out a vibe 
like no one else. So uh, we've talked in the show in the past about how my fiance gets me the courtside seats once a year. And I yeah. met Marcus and we're taking a selfie. And I was like, say you're better than your twin. He's like, and then there was just like a coldness came up <laughs> immediately. That is not a dude you mess with no, no. at all. <laughs> Luca, stay away. You're already injury prone. That is not the bear to poke. He yeah. has nothing to lose. And there's two of them. Yeah, you don't want that that heat. I you, I worked alongside Keith Morris, and let me tell you something: family over everything. Keith was a beast. He was he and a great person. Who's yeah? Who's the best Morris right now? Because it was it was Marquise for a long time. Then into I think Marcus pulled ahead, and then I don't know who it is at the moment. Yeah, well, if you judge, uh, I would say that it's kind of even because they're literally both still playing uh, basketball. Um, but uh, I feel like Marcus Morris at least is getting more minutes. So I'm going to go with Marcus uh, Morris right now. Um, and he put senior on his name. Uh, he's very, <laughs> yeah, he's very that. strong. I love that. I love that. Um, so I'm going to go with Marcus yeah, Their Morris. games have kind of changed. Like Marcus Morris was always the scorer while Markeith was the more well-rounded player. At least I thought maybe it was just a usage thing. But now I see Marcus Morris being an enforcer when Markeith Morris is just spotting up for threes. Like, yeah. I, it, are we sure they haven't switched places? Uh, you know what? They may have switched places, and you might not ever know. You they could. That, never that'd be know. I, that's my NBA conspiracy. They switched. <laughs> they switched. They switched. <laughs> uh, I want to end the show just by saying uh, rest in peace to John Thompson and Chadwick Bozeman, who uh, many NBA players, including uh, LeBron James, uh, especially, you know, giving a shout out, doing the Wakanda forever before that game. I remember Big Dola Depot wearing the Black Panther mask in the slam dunk contest. Uh, two shockers for me this week. Uh, Joel, I don't want to end it on a bummer, but... Uh, I, well, let's end it on a positive. Yeah, you know, the let's try to be you positive. shared, actually, of Chadwick surprising people on the Jimmy Fallon show. Yeah. The woman in that clip is actually my roommate of five years, Shalewa Sharp. What? So for, to see you share that, I was like, it's a small, small world. The person he called Kill Mountain... Yeah. mama yeah like and like not just that interaction but afterwards chadwick went out there he tweeted her clip and said this woman needs an agent that happened because he, he he listened to her he talked about she talked about her stand-up career her connections to atlanta and that yeah. was a huge gesture i don't know if people know how hard the realities are in the comic business but yeah. in 10 years of doing it that was one of the most selfless and impactful things i've seen someone do to a comic so shout out to that awesome. and like look at yeah I, I was there the day she came home and like the best part of that clip is how little she cared about meeting jimmy fallon <laughs> that's a perfect reaction <laughs> right there too, oh hey <laughs> well that's good we get to end the show on a positive note thanks joe that was a great story um enjoy a week of basketball i will too We'll keep conversing over Twitter and text and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I'll miss you, my man. All right. Talk to you next week. I'm going to go get a CAT scan. I got to be back. Hope everything in, goes well. In hour, two now. hours and five minutes. <laughs> All right. Later. <laughs>